Hi, and welcome to the Cancer from A to Z podcast, where we discuss the issues and topics related to a diagnosis of cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell. These podcast episodes are intended for informational and educational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical treatment by a healthcare professional. They do not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. Please consult your doctor or other health professional with any questions you have regarding any medical conditions. Hi, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. And I'm really excited for today's interview. I got a chance to interview another breast cancer survivor, and I know that you're really going to love her story and everything that she has to talk about on today's show. So Beth Young is our guest today, and she is a five-year survivor of breast cancer, and she was originally diagnosed at age 46, underwent surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and tamoxifen. She's an architect in her professional career and a nature photographer whose work is placed in hospitals, clinics, and cancer centers. And that is her side hustle. Beth shares her experience on today's show with her about her cancer diagnosis and treatment and the importance of healthy habits, as well as the importance of embracing creative outlets in navigating through treatment and recovery. So I hope you enjoy today's show and let's just get right to it. Beth, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you? I'm doing really well today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's an, another weekend and getting ready for the week ahead. So exactly. <laughs> so trying to get prepared. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show, and I'm so happy that you agreed to do the show. And I know you have a history of cancer, and I would love to get into your cancer journey and talk about how your photography kind of helped you through that journey. So I will just kind of let you get started. Okay, sounds good. Well, my name is Beth Young. I live in Sacramento, California. I do have a family history of breast cancer. My uh, grandmother on my father's side had breast cancer back in the 1960s, um, and she went through a mastectomy and radiation, um, which you probably know, like back then, you know, mastectomies were very, like, intrusive, right? Um, right. And, and it was interesting because she never wanted to talk about it, but, it, you know, it was something that was always like in my consciousness, um, in the back of my mind, um, of something that I should be aware of. And then more recently, um, I would say about 12 years ago, um, uh, my mother and I were estranged at the end of her life, but I got a call from her cousin, uh, one day that said, you know, she had been undergoing breast cancer treatment and it sounded like it you know, the way she described it, it, that it had metastasized um, to her brain and her lungs um, Mm. and throughout her body. So she, she died very quickly. um, And that also made me very, very aware of that reality of breast cancer in my family. So when I turned 40, I started getting annual mammograms. So I I would just go in every year. And then when I was 45, (laughs) I got really busy with work that year. Uh And I actually forgot to do my annual mammo. And the following year, 
you know, October rolled around and then you see all the pink ribbons and all that right. everywhere. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, I've got to schedule my mammo. I totally forgot. So obviously I scheduled that. I went in. I believe they found something like right away, like what they thought was a calcification. Um, So they said, hey, why don't you come in for a biopsy? And I said, can I do it today? And I actually stayed there while they did the the biopsy in my left breast, Mm -hmm. um, which is where the cancer was um, detected. Um, So you didn't feel anything in the breast? No, no, there was no lump or anything like that. Um, I think it was fairly deep in my breast, if I recall correctly. It was just it detected during a routine mammogram. Mm. And it was it was found to be a stage two, grade three. So it was sort of more of an aggressive type. Right. Um, it was progesterone positive, estrogen negative, HER2 positive. Okay. So, yeah. So, went through that. Um, that was terrifying. I remember that day so clearly because, um, you know, professionally, I work as an architect and I'm very methodical and, and, uh, very logical. And I like to have all the facts in front of me. Right. So there was that period of time where, you know, y- your cancer is detected and you know, you have cancer, but you don't know what your treatment plan is going to be yet. And to me, that was the most stressful part. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most stressful parts of the cancer journey, because I was so anxious to know, okay, what, what does this mean for me now? But it takes some time to get those you know, appointments and, and referrals right. and start gathering that information. Who, who, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Who gave you the diagnosis? So after you had the biopsy done, who actually told you that the biopsy came back positive? I think, if I remember correctly, I think I went in on a Thursday and then I got a call from my primary care doctor that said, hey, I want you to come in on Monday morning. Okay. And I was like, oh, no. So I was thinking about it all weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, I just I, I knew something was there. I knew something was was potentially wrong. So, you know, I was just sort of stealing myself and, and preparing myself for that. But, yeah, it was actually my primary care doctor who delivered the news and Interestingly, she had been through exactly the same thing about five to 10 years earlier herself. So, Hmm. so that was, you know, sort of encouraging to me to have a doctor that, that really understood it and went through it herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine that would be a little bit comforting because here you are talking to someone, interacting Mm -hmm. with someone who knows exactly how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's so important. Yeah. And then I actually I had to go back in for an MRI led biopsy in my right breast. And that also was very deep in the breast uh, that was found to be negative, thank God. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was, um, you know, somewhat of a painful experience. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of insert a, a very deep needle into your breast and you know, I felt like I had to wear a really tight bra to kind of keep keep from moving, you know, and keep right. that pain pain in check. So um, that's something that, you know, I don't know how much they tell you about that before you go in for things like that. So I like to share that information to 
people who are potentially going through that. To ask questions before you undergo yes. that type of procedure so that you have a better understanding in terms of what it's going to be about and how you're going to feel. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good yeah. advice because it can be surprising and you don't understand that, you know, the mm-hmm. needle is going to be long and it, yes. it's going <laughs> to potentially be painful. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with you. We, we probably, as medical professionals, we may not do a very good job um, about that. We just say, okay, well, you need an MRI or, you know, mm-hmm. you need to have this done. Come on in on this day. And then you're there and they just, you know, usher you into the room and, and start the whole procedure. But they haven't really explained to you ahead of time what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Another um, thing that I did do because, you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned my family history earlier, but I don't have I don't have brothers or sisters. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents are deceased, and I have no children. So it was um, so it was encouraged that I do uh, genetic counseling um, because since I was diagnosed at 46, right. it was right after my 46th birthday, and unfortunately for me, a lot of the markers that um, the, the genetic markers that are indicative of, of propensity for breast cancer, or female cancers, for me are inconclusive. So my understanding is that, you know, they, they continue to like sequence genes and, and find out more and more information. But for me, like things like BRCA are inconclusive. I don't know if I have those or not. So mm. it might be something that you know, I get a, a call or, or a message from a doctor in the future that says, hey, you do have this. And so then I might have to make some additional medical decisions at that time. Correct. So, Correct. Yeah, I can see where that would be a little um, make you feel uneasy, not having a definitive answer, because we do know that the genetic testing helps guide our, our management in terms mm-hmm. of what we recommend when it comes to breast cancer. So, so yeah. it came back. Okay. So you didn't get a definitive answer on that. No. And I was encouraged not to make any like medical decisions based on a lack of information. You know, right. um, I was really encouraged by my care team who said, okay, you have this type of cancer, this is the recommended course of treatment for you and for somebody like you. And, you know, my prognosis was very good. I would say, you know, I think it's like a 96%, you know, rate of survival or something for the kind of um, treatment and cancer that I had, which was very encouraging. But yeah, I, I was diagnosed, like I said, that October back in 2016, about Six weeks later is when I went in for surgery. So I had a lumpectomy and three lymph nodes removed. It might have been three. It could have been more. I don't remember exactly. But the lymph nodes came back clear. It hadn't spread to, the, oh, to them yet. So that was mm-hmm. really uh, encouraging. Right. And the surgery, you know, the surgery actually went okay. I was really, really scared and terrified. I have always been very healthy and I've never had to be operated on, you know, before. So I was right. really scared to go under anesthesia and all that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody made me super comfortable. And it was funny because my, um, my anesthesi- my anesthesiologist gave me 
ketamine and I woke up and I was like what was that that you gave me it was like it was so relaxing and he's like oh that was the ketamine (laughs) (laughs) I can see why people take that (laughs) yeah yes yes there's another medication called Versed and that's where it it helps you to not remember the procedure Uh and people oh god that's that was great (laughs) I was actually having really good dreams and I was actually like a little bit mad when I was waking up from the surgery, I was like, no, no, I was, I was walking through Yosemite and I was uh, enjoying nature. And it was like the most beautiful dream I was having. Wow. (laughs) That does sound nice. That sounds great. (laughs) That really does. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't all bad. Um, Yeah. But you know, I, I was off of work for, I want to say it was about five or six weeks And uh, about five weeks in, I got a bad infection in the site of my surgery Mm. that unfortunately happened on Christmas Eve. And so it took me (laughs) it took me about four days to like try to get seen by by a doctor because everybody was gone for the holidays, which is really challenging. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, anyway, I think I I went on some kind of, uh, you know, bacterial medication and and that cleared it up. But definitely something to be aware of, um, for sure. Right, right. That the site can get infected and things may happen to, you know, the Mm -hmm. incision and Mm -hmm. and things like that. Wow, that's unfortunate that it happened on that evening. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no one's around. Everybody's off. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then um, in January, um, this is going back to 2017. So then I went in for the port surgery. So I had um, went in for surgery to have the port installed um, in anticipation of my chemo starting soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. I did Taxol and Herceptin. So I did mm-hmm. Taxol. I want to say it was like it seemed like it was a long time that I was doing chemo. I was yeah. going in weekly and it, I want to say it was like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was quite a bit of time. Um, and then I had to go in for an additional six months for the Herceptin right. infusion. So I was at the infusion clinic weekly for a year. And I was one of those crazy people that I decided that I was going to try to work through everything. Really? So I scheduled my my infusions for Thursdays, I'd go in every Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my husband uh, would, you know, wait um, out in the waiting room and and drive me home because, you know, sometimes I'd come out of those, those sessions just very woozy and and just very weak. But yeah, I would do it on a Thursday. And then I'd recuperate at home like Friday and through the weekend. And then I would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wow. That sounds like a very, (laughs) looking back on it, would you do it that way again? Or would you take some time off? I would take time off. Yes, I would definitely encourage anybody if you can take time off, please do. Because I was, you know, I'm just, I'm one of those type A, high performing, you Mm -hmm. know, professional women. I'm like, I can do this. But honestly, you know, I, I don't feel like I ever got the mental space to really kind of deal in and process all the stuff that I was going through. You know, it was, um, I think that's really, really important to just give yourself if you can, if if you have that um, available to you to just to take some time just to kind of process all these things that are 
happening to you. I, I think that's really important. No, I agree. I agree. And so you had your husband for support and that sounds like that was re- really amazing. What about, did you have anybody else? What about, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, obviously I had family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had, I would have, you know, friends that would support me, like, you know, sit in the infusion clinic with me, you know, family as well. You know, my, my one cousin is a nurse. So she was always part of my, um, my appointments and and would help just kind of take notes. And, you know, like I said, it's so overwhelming when you're, when you're on the receiving end that you don't always like absorb and hear everything. So it's really nice to have somebody, especially somebody that has some type of medical background to just sort of help you navigate through that and just like take notes and ask questions that you might be too freaked out to ask. Right. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask you, when you met with the medical oncologist and they were talking to you about chemotherapy and probably quoting you some numbers and things like that in terms of the benefit of doing chemotherapy, what was going through your mind at that time in terms of how did you make that decision that, yes, you were going to do chemo? Because there are a lot of patients who, you know, they... they receive the same information. Um, They receive information about, you know, radiation and the recommendations to do chemo or do radiation. And they, they say, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. So what was, what were you thinking at the time when you met with your medical oncologist about in terms of whether you were going to do the chemo or not? Yeah, it was just, um, I think for me, you know, what kind of drove the decision was understanding what my outcome and my prognosis was going to be as a result of this, reminding myself that this was a temporary thing, right? Um, It's just something that I had to kind of get through. And, you know, I kept being reminded by my care team that this, this is the recommended course of treatment for somebody with this type of cancer. And, and the logical part of my brain was like, okay, I can, I can put up with this. I can, I can navigate and weather this, but I'm not going to lie. I was terrified, Mm -hmm. you know, especially as women, because like, you know, chemo alters your looks, your body, you lose all your hair, your eyebrows, eyelashes, everything comes out. At least, you know, what I was on and that is really, really terrifying for a woman because you're, you know, so much of your identity is about, you know, your your looks and your appearance. And, you know, you don't want to be uh, scaring people with your bald head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, you mentioned a, a few minutes ago about, you know, making space and creating space for this what you were going through. And you said that you really didn't do that, but you feel that that's important to, to create that kind of mental space and really process everything that's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, for me, it was definitely kind of an, a life altering event, right? I right. mean, it, yeah. it, it changed, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of the way I look at life um, it really gave me a sense of my own morality, and but it also, 
you know, there was a lot of silver linings, believe it or not, to going through this too. It really gave me a really profound sense of gratitude for life. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I, I can credit that experience through getting healthier and changing my life for the better. I made a lot of life changes mm-hmm. um, after going through treatment. I started eating much healthier. Right. You know, I, <laughs> I'm very, <laughs> my husband makes fun of me because I'm always buying organic. You know, mm-hmm. we eat a lot of whole foods. I like cut out processed foods and I completely cut out table sugar. There's no sugar in our house whatsoever. And there hasn't been in the last five years. So wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, much more mindful about, you know, what I put into my body now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when when I was going through chemo, my family bought me a book called The Cancer Fighting Kitchen mm-hmm. by Rebecca Katz. And I highly recommend that book to anybody because she you know, she kind of uses food as medicine, as well as using food and nutrition to kind of help manage the side effects and, and, you know, some of the symptoms that you feel from some, some of these treatments. So. Oh, that's a, that sounds like a good resource. Um, well, I'll mm-hmm. make sure that my team puts that in the show notes because I agree with you as physicians, you know, when we go through medical school, we don't get a lot of training um, in terms of nutrition and yeah. diet. Yeah. And when it comes to cancer and oncology, I mean, it's it's just very, very apparent with everything that's out there now that it matters what you put in your body. Your diet absolutely. matters. It absolutely yes. matters. And mm-hmm. I'm actually taking... I'm taking a nutrition course right now. Yeah, (laughs) because I I do. I get asked all the time, you know, well, what should I be eating? What kind of, you know, and when you answer and you say certain things and you can go as in-depth as as your knowledge takes you, that's great. But for some, Mm -hmm. for others, maybe you don't have as much knowledge in that area. So I, for me personally, I felt like, as a radiation oncologist and I'm and I'm talking about cancer and I understand how important diet is, I want to get a better understanding, more in-depth understanding in terms of nutrition. And I am loving it. And you are That's absolutely, great. absolutely right. It really does matter. Yeah. Everything that you put in your body, it's, you know, it's either helping you or, <laughs> or it's harming you. Yes. And so, and you recognize that sugar and yes, sugar is, is not good. So I, I, I think that's amazing that you've been yeah. able to, to do that. And I know how hard that can be. I was fortunate. I don't have much of a sweet tooth, so it was oh, a little easier for, for me to cut it out. I mm-hmm. know for some people that's really, really hard. Um, yeah. But uh, I will say a, a couple of things um, as it relates to nutrition that I was very surprised when I was going through treatment. Well, first of all, you know, I was when I started chemo, you know, everybody that I met with was like, okay, you want to drink stuff with electrolytes, things like Gatorade. And I'm like, Ugh, Gatorade, mm-hmm. that stuff's loaded with sugar. And I was already kind of cutting this stuff out and making tweaks to my diet before this even started. And I'm like, well, what about coconut water that that has potassium and electrolytes? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I guess you could do that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah. well, you know, and the other thing that surprised me, too, is when I was going through, you know, those weekly trips to the infusion um, clinic, 
Yeah, I was always surprised because I was there for, you know, you're there sometimes for hours and they kind of roll around the food cart and it's like, okay, um, I don't think I want a bologna and white bread sandwich with potato chips. You know what I mean? Wow, that's would. I would bring my own food, you know, I'd bring yeah. like, I'd pack a salad or, or, you know, something healthier. Um, I was really surprised at the food options that they would provide to the patients in the infusion clinic. Cause I'm like, gosh, this doesn't seem like the kind of stuff that you should be eating. It doesn't right. have like, a lot of nutritional exactly. value. But, exactly. And yeah. which was probably right. Probably a result of lack of knowledge on yeah. those that were, you know, in charge of, of, you know, doing that in terms of getting the food out there to the patients, just a lack of knowledge. And I'm, I'm exactly. sure, I'm sure, because, mm-hmm. you know, if they had the background, had the knowledge, they probably wouldn't have been serving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. It would have been fruit, maybe some, yeah. you know, cut up slices of, you know, red pepper, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. so you changed your, you changed, did you change? You changed your diet, you know, as you, when you started chemo? Is that when yeah, you? Yeah, it was actually before I, I started. I just, um, I just became more, I guess, self-aware of what I was kind of putting in my body and just trying to be more intuitive. So I would say I was practicing more intuitive eating um, mm-hmm. and really paying much closer attention to, you know, how I was feeling when I was putting certain foods in my body, you know, is something that I never had any awareness of before I was diagnosed. So Right. Right. And you think that helped you get through the chemotherapy and some of those side effects? I think it did. I never um I never experienced any nausea at all when I wow. was going through chemo. In fact, <laughs> it was funny. I remember um right before I started chemo they sent me to the pharmacy to pick up, you know, stuff to help with the side effects. And that's the first time I've ever gone through the drive through pharmacy where they, they literally handed me like a shopping bag with handles that was full of nausea drugs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Wow. What am I in for here? Yeah. They, <laughs> thank God I, I didn't experience that. What I did experience, though, uh, which was really strange, was a complete lack of appetite like mm. like food never even like I didn't even think about it it wasn't until like I would start getting kind of you know not not nauseous from the um from the chemo but sort of like lightheaded from lack of eating I'm like oh my gosh I haven't had anything to eat today mm-hmm. you know so that's that's what I experienced and and that complete lack of of appetite is a very strange experience. You know, it's, it's not imagine. anything I've ever experienced before. So, uh-huh. yeah. 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 I can imagine when you go from, you know, getting hunger pangs and maybe being hangry mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> to not having any appetite, like you have no desire to, yeah. to eat. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, I guess I, I've never really kind of really, thought about it that deeply in terms of how weird that could probably be for people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then about, I don't know, a few rounds in, you know, I start, my hair starts getting really mm. wispy and it just did starts. Did they tell kinda... you about cold caps? They, I did check into cold caps. Um, the facility where I got treatment did not have them available. I don't mm. know if that's changed since then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got all my treatment at Sutter Medical Center, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that there's like facilities like in the larger c- cities like UCSF and, you know, in the Bay Area and in Southern California that do have cold caps um, available for patients. But mm-hmm. at the particular facility that I did all my treatment, they did not have that as an mm-hmm. option. But I did ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so what was that like when your hair started coming out? Was oh. that... You know, that was the part I thought was going to bother me the most. And mm-hmm. at first it did. So, you know, once my hair started getting very thin and, and sort of falling out, you know, my husband drove me to, uh, I, I think it, it was like a super cuts or one, one of those chain places, but you basically go in and you say, look, I'm, I'm getting chemo, my hair is falling out and they will buzz cut your hair Mm -hmm. for free they don't Mm -hmm. even charge you they just oh wow and so (laughs) so I did that and I was like okay now I'm like my head is it's I have a better looking head than I thought I did it's a little bit more round than I thought so Mm -hmm. I was really scared that I was going to have this weird lumpy looking head that everybody Mm -hmm. was going to see but um you know and then you know, eventually, you know, eyebrows, eyelashes, it all mm. comes out. And, um, you know, I just, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. I, it was just, um, I'm not really sure why. I actually decided to keep my hair like a pixie cut for several years after that, because I'm like, I really like um, just getting up and, you know, washing my hair and then just being ready to go. Okay. So <laughs> it was so, kind of nice. <laughs> right. So kind of like another little silver lining, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you learn that the short haircuts, yeah, it's much easier. Just wash and go. Just, you know, yes, jump out exactly. of the shower and then just go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. Yeah. Another thing I would say that helped me quite a bit you know, after chemo and radiation was just the importance of exercise. You know, it's the last thing I felt like doing. I was so exhausted um, and my energy levels were so, so low. Yeah. But there's a fantastic um, local nonprofit organization in Sacramento that I'm going to make a plug for. It's called Triumph Cancer Foundation. Um, and it's it's run by my friend Pam Whitehead, who is also um, a cancer survivor. But she has a program that's like a 12-week program where she, where she marries up cancer patients with personal trainers that have expertise in working with cancer survivors. And so you go through this 12-week Um, exercise program just to kind of rebuild your strength and try to get some of your stamina back. Um, And you're going like on a weekly basis, they show you different exercises and stretches and things, and you only do what you're comfortable with, but it really helps, you know, me get in the mindset of how important exercise is to feeling better after treatment, even when it's the last thing that you feel like you want to do at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds great. That sounds fantastic because I can imagine that's, yeah, when you're not feeling good and especially mm-hmm. when you're getting radiation and, you know, maybe you started to get a little bit of energy back after you finish the chemo and then you start the radiation and it takes you back down again. Oh, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting that either. You know, when I got through the um, the Taxol and I think – they wanted to put me into radiation like the following week. 
And I, and I asked them, I said, please, can I have like a two week break? I really just need a break. I felt so tired um, from the chemo. And so, you know, they gave me an extra week for rest and I really underestimated, I think, and you, and you might find this very funny as a radiation oncologist, but I was like, Oh, once I get into radiation, no problem. You know, chemo, chemo was hard. Radiation will be easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not exactly how it went. I was really tired from radiation too, because I just felt like boom, boom, boom. I'm going through like, boom, like one thing after another, you just go from the surgery to the chemo to the radiation. And I was like, I felt like I was hitting a wall. I was really exhausted, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people. It's interesting that you say that, though, because I have had a lot of people tell me, well, the chemo was hard and the radiation, you know, is a lot easier. So I have myself, even though I've never been through it, I have found myself saying to patients when they come in, well, what I've, you know, what patients have told me is that it's a little bit easier. You know, the radiation is going to be easier, but you know what? You're exactly right. When they finally get to me, and this is true of whether you just finished the chemo or maybe you had the chemo because some women get chemo before surgery, it is, uh, they hit the wall during radiation. It's like you're starting to feel some of those after effects of the chemo, they complain of a lot of joint pain. Yeah. Achiness as they're going through the radiation. And I know it's not related to the radiation because we're just irradiating the breast. So, you know, the knees and the elbows and the other joints and things like that shouldn't be achy. That's from the chemo. Right. Um, and then I see that maybe in the beginning, at the very first part, like the consultation, like maybe on their first one or two treatments, very upbeat, very, you know, a lot. Some people are upbeat. Some like, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know. And then kind of halfway through the radiation, they hit the wall. And it's mm-hmm. very emotional, very yeah. emotional. Because yeah. I, and you obviously, you've been through this, and I can only imagine that you are so tired of this crap. (laughs) You're so tired of doctors. You're so tired of clinics. You're so tired of people poking you. You're so tired of the side effects. It's like enough is enough already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're poked and prodded. And I don't think I've had my breast stared at so much in all of my life. Right. I did I was, <laughs> it's I, so funny <laughs> because even when I was talking with my doctors, you know, even like they would look at my, like stare at my breasts when they were talking to me. And I'm like, what, do you see something I don't like? Look, yeah. at, look at my face. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. We kind of, you kind of do that. And yeah, I think a lot of the patients, you know, cause I'm in the room with them and then examining them with my nurse present. And so they just yeah. open their gown. They just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah and lost, then sometimes yeah. we're talking, they forget to close the gap. <laughs> it's just like, so I guess, yeah, I guess it's right. It's like so many people have looked at you. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's just another, that's another thing now. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely get used to it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And so what was, what was going on at work? Were they, did, did you tell them? Were they? Un- I did. Any- okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was very, um, you know, I know some people keep something like this very, very private. I wasn't one of those people. I was very open and out front about it because it helped me help, you know, kind of process it. But 
Um, and I wasn't doing it for sympathy. I was really doing it because I didn't want anybody to be surprised by my appearance, especially because I knew I was going to be like losing all my hair. And, you know, I wore a wig and all that, but you know, you lose your eyelashes and your mm. eyebrows. Yeah. And for me, like I would get really blotchy mm-hmm. skin from the, mm-hmm. from the chemo as well. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you have a wig on or not. It was, it was something that you could physically see. And I didn't want anybody to like, not feel like they couldn't ask me what was going on. I just felt like it was important for me just to be out, you know, and just be open and honest about it, about what I was going through. And I think, you know, it helped me get through it. And, you know, and I, I'm happy to be a resource for other people who go through it too. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I have friends and, and acquaintances who, you know, have gone through their own cancer journeys and, you know, I, I, I like to be a resource or, or a cancer buddy to anybody who's who I know who's going through that because um, that's so important is to share those experiences. And, you know, everybody's got a different cancer journey. Everybody's body is different. But um, I think it's really important to just, you know, to share what you're feeling with others who are going through something similar, you know? Yeah, I that's really good of you to to um, to do that. And I think it is important because as physicians, and especially if you're a physician who, where you don't have a personal history of cancer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can speak to it only so much. We can talk to it, talk about it, but it's, it's different. It's just different. And, and sometimes, you know, women and men who are going through this, they need to be able to connect with others who have gone through it because, yeah. you know, if, you don't know what it's like to get chemo. You don't know what it's like to feel that way. You don't know what it, you, you know, you're, no. I, you know, for me, I don't know what my breast feels like getting radiation, you know, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. you need to be able to connect and talk to someone who's been there, who can support you in that way. And, and also say, Hey, this is what helped me. This is what helped me get through this. Or, you know, I completely exactly. get it. You know, I, I was feeling the same way. So I, I think that's fantastic that you want to share and, and, and be like a, like you said, like a buddy, um, for, other individuals who are going through this. Cause again, you know, as physicians and then, you know, as doctors, we don't have time um, mm-hmm. to sit and, and chat and listen. And as long as we want to, we may want to sit there for hours, but we can't. And so I think it's important that there are individuals that, and, and I've had experience with other patients who have been buddies and, you know, they, they, and I've introduced and connected, you know, new patients to these individuals who have gone through the radiation and it's definitely helpful. And, and the patients come back and they say, you know, I, I was, you know, talking with so-and-so and and she really helped me. She really gave me a lot of information. So I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important. And, you know, like I mentioned to you earlier, I think, you know, podcasts like this are so important too, because, you know, a lot of these resources weren't available when I was going through treatment, I would have loved to have listened to a podcast like this. Mm -hmm. You know, but I did find other resources that helped me like breastcancer.org was hugely helpful to me. Um, And then there's a site called living beyond breast cancer, that's a really has really good resources and information. Um, So those are a couple of resources I can think of off the top of my head that 
Now you can tell for me, I like to get all the information, right? You know, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, that's, it just helps. It just helps me kind of deal with it and process it and understand, you know, what's going, what I'm going through. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's that's really good. I mean, I was I gave a talk yesterday and I to um, a cancer support group, and it's kind of the same thing. Just do your research, ask your questions, bring yeah. somebody with you to your yes. medical appointment so you can focus on what the doctor is saying and your family member or friend can be the scribe for you. Mm-hmm. you exactly. Yeah. And super, super important. So I want to, I want to talk about your photography because your photography, you're there. It's beautiful. I mean, your images are just beautiful. Thank and you. When did you, you said that was kind of like a side hustle. So when did you start getting into photography? I would say, um, you know, I've always been, I've always been a very creative person. I've always um, been artistic. I've always loved drawing and painting, you know, my, my day job as an architect, that's also creative, but I would say, you know, photography has been my most creative outlet um, these last several years. I would say that um, it was probably back in 2014, 2015, where I really started getting very serious about it um, to the point where I was, I've been able to sell quite a bit of my work, uh, which mm-hmm. has been great. So in my, you know, in my day job as an architect, I got kind of aware of the world of art consulting. Um, so when clients, um, you know, they have a, a, a new building or a new project and they want to commission artwork for that, you know, art consultants kind of play this role of vetting artists and artworks to place in facilities and they handle the printing and the framing and the installation um, of all the work. And so through my day job as an architect, I got, you know, kind of connected with some of these art consultants um, that I've been working with place my photography in hospitals, clinics, cancer centers. I really feel very strongly about the impact that biophilia and natural imagery mm-hmm. has on a patient's well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I, I saw it, I witnessed it firsthand as a patient myself, right? If you you know, you walk into a facility and and there's pictures of art on the walls and there's, you know, there's nature, you have something to kind of focus on and, you know, help calm your anxiety um, Mm -hmm. as you're in these really, really stressful situations. So this positive kind of natural imagery can be a very powerful thing um, for patients who are going through some of the most stressful, you know, periods of their lives. And it's also important, I think, too, for people who work with cancer patients and, and hospital patients, right. Our caregivers are, are, you know, as you know, have been through a lot of stress these last few years in the pandemic, but they have Mm -hmm. stressful jobs anyway. So I think having, you know, kind of these, these images of positive distraction and, you know, just pictures of nature. And I think it's so, so important for anybody who's in these facilities, um, you know, doing either being the caregiver or receiving the care, um, because it's a very stressful situation. Yeah, it is a very stressful situation. And I agree with you having those, those images to look at my, my clinic, as a matter of fact, we have big, huge pictures of, you know, nature and and Mm -hmm. flowers and, you know, and it's throughout the entire clinic and it's very calming, very, very calming. And I actually had a patient just recently 
tell me that coming in for her treatments, believe it or not, <laughs> I've never heard this before, but she said it was like going to the spa. Oh, and wow. I'm like, wow. wow. For you to say that, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, you yeah. Know, so we, I think it, you're absolutely right to the environment, if you can make it, you know, welcoming and calming and serene and kind of, you know, I think it absolutely benefits, like you said, not just the patients, but the workers as well. And exactly. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. you're, you're, yeah, like I said, your photography is absolutely beautiful. So how did you go about, I mean, did you said you've always been kind of creative and into art. So did you find that photography was just a, a natural thing for you or did you, I mean, it's just because your images just look, I'm like, whoa, you must have, <laughs> you know, been working at this for years and years and years. <laughs> it's, it's, I love it. I absolutely, it's totally my passion. Um, you know, I think where I, where I got more passionate about it was before, well, definitely before I got diagnosed with cancer. Um, mm -hmm. my aunt, um, who was like my mother who she's, she passed away years ago now, but, um, you know, she was very mobility impaired. She couldn't go out a lot. She, she had a chronic illness. And what I, discovered through photography is by sharing images with her, it really like brightened her mood. She always looked forward to, you know, I would either text her, or email her these images and eventually she got on Instagram. And so she really, um, you know, benefited a lot. And that, and that was like my first realization about how important just natural, beautiful imagery can be. Uh, for somebody who's chronically ill or somebody who's sick. So I actually started, you know, placing my work in hospitals and healthcare clinics and cancer centers before I got diagnosed. But oh, okay. it was it was when I was a patient that I really it really hit home. Mm -hmm. You know, for me personally, I got to experience it firsthand how important um, that is um, to patients and and caregivers. So. Um, it really reinforced that I was on this path. I'm on the right path right. Um, with what I'm doing because I find it very, very rewarding. And I'm also trying to think of ways of how to kind of bring it to the next level, not just place, you know, my photography in hospitals, but how can I use photography almost as a form of art therapy for people who are going through cancer treatment themselves, right? Because right. For me, it was, um, you know, having that creative outlet was something that I think helped me through my cancer treatment and my whole journey. Um, it gave me something, you know, positive to kind of uh, visualize and fixate on. And I think it, it having that as a creative outlet just helped my own outcomes from my own treatment, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine um, that that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and so where are you now? I mean, what's, what is, what are things like now that you're beyond your cancer treatment? How often do you go in for checkups and what is that like? Are you, does it fill you with anxiety or are you at the point now where you're kind of beyond that? Yeah, I have mixed feelings, you know, I think, they call they call it skin anxiety <laughs> scan mm -hmm. scan anxiety i don't know mm -hmm. how you say it. that's very real you know i'm not gonna lie like every time i go in for mammos or you know follow-ups yeah of course you're gonna be nervous 
Um, of course, you're going to wonder, did they get it all? Is there cancer anywhere else in my body? You know, because you definitely have this awareness that, you know, life can change in an instant. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you just don't know. But on the other hand, it also makes me feel kind of well taken care of because I feel like I go in. Um, so I meet with my oncologist yearly. I do mm -hmm. annual um meetings with him now and I do annual mammograms. And so I feel like I'm being more closely watched more so right. than ever now that I've been through this. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of mixed feelings, you know, it definitely still get nervous, but I also feel like I, I, I am having good care. So yeah. well, I think that's, I, I think probably a lot of people feel the way that, that you do um, when they're, you know, two, three, four, five years out from mm -hmm. treatment and, and even 10 years out. I have a, a friend who had breast cancer maybe 16 years ago. And mm -hmm. every year, every year when that time comes around to get her scans, she, she gets nervous and, yes, you know, and, and worried. And, and so I can, I can only, yeah, that's probably, I don't think it probably ever goes away. Maybe, you know, you just, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's about five years for me now, you know, and I, I would definitely say the first few, you know, during, during treatment and the first couple of years, you know, after that, I think we're really traumatic for me. You know, I, I, I would even go so far to say is there might've been some PTSD there, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, not mm -hmm. that I've ever been diagnosed or treated for that, but it was, it was something that really profounded me very deeply, um, and changed my, uh, you know, my outlook on life. But I think now it's, it's kind of strange because now I think about it and I'm, you know, five years in, it's still very fresh in my mind, but I think there's a little bit more passage of time has definitely smoothed out the rough edges of my emotions surrounding all that. Right. Um, and it's something that I feel like I can more freely talk about now. So, right. yeah. You know, yeah, you I mean you've been wonderful. This has been fantastic and and I was going to say that yeah, you seem very comfortable talking about it now. And I think that's I think that's great that that I'm so happy you came on the show. This has been fantastic and I know it's going to help a lot of people um just hearing different stories and different journeys. Um and again, hearing from someone who has been through surgery and chemotherapy and radiation and, and they're obviously, you're obviously doing well and it's a different perspective from mine. And I, I can only talk about it in, in certain aspects. And then beyond that, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate Beth that you coming on again. I will put the, um, some of the sources that you mentioned in the show notes and I will make sure to um, put your website in the show notes because you're, you're like I said, I'm just kind of blown away by your your um, photographs and and everything on your website. And anything else before we we finish that you want to kind of communicate to those that are listening? You know, I I would say that you know I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but there there are silver linings to going through an experience like this. And, and it sounds kind of cliche, but it really does make you really appreciate 
the blessings in your life. It makes you appreciate the people in your life more. You know, you just have a greater appreciation from for certain people and things in your life. And to be honest with you, it kind of, it makes you kind of cut out the BS out of your yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It makes you focus mm-hmm. on the things that are important and right. and not focus on the things that are just just not important at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. So there is there are silver linings. Um I I was I, I would say that I was fortunate and I know that not everybody has the benefit of having a clear kind of understanding of their prognosis or their treatment plan. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that was really important. I knew what the A to Z, the the beginning and the end was going to look like, you know, and not everybody has that. And, and, and that's really hard. You know, I, I've, I've lost two friends this year from Mm -hmm. cancer, Mm -hmm. um, one from uh, kidney and the other from colon and both of them have had, you know, recurrences or, you know, they're going through treatment, but it's like, okay, we got to see how that treatment fares before we try this next one. So it's not, you don't have that benefit of, of seeing from beginning to end. And uh, I know that could be very, very stressful um, for a lot of people going through treatment, but there, there are silver linings that I choose to focus on. And, you know, another experience that I went through is, you know, I wasn't married to my husband at the time when I was getting treatment. And I and I told him after I got diagnosed, I said, hey, if you want to leave, you you can leave like you don't have to stick around for this. Mm -hmm. And he decided to stay and it, it actually strengthened our relationship. So and we got, you know, married after after I was done with a lot of a lot of my treatment. So that's been a real blessing in my life, too. He's definitely a source of strength for me. Yeah. And yeah, I just, you know, as crazy as it is, there there is positives to come out of it. So yeah, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, How fortunate, how lucky, how how wonderful that that's fantastic. Because not everybody's like that, unfortunately. Yeah. And so it sounds like you had a, a great support system. And like I said, you're obviously doing so well. You seem, this conversation is, we, I feel like we've known each other for <laughs> a really long time. So it's been, it's been great. Um, and I'm so happy you're doing well. I'm so happy that Brenda introduced us and I got a chance to chat with you and talk with you. And I just, I wish you the best and, um, you know, anytime that you want to come back on the show, look at me, I'm already trying to get you back on. (laughs) Anytime you want to come back on the show, I would love to have you. And um, like I said, so happy for you. So, so impressed and so in awe of your photography, because I just I love creative people. I'm not very creative. I've got that science brain. And that's why I'm a physician. So anybody that's creative, I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) so I think you're really (laughs) talented. And I'm so glad that, you know, you've done well and, and, and kind of, you're now here and able to talk about it in, in this way. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Beth Young. I really enjoyed speaking with her about her cancer journey. And I just love the fact that she has that side hustle of her photography business and her pictures are just absolutely beautiful. So we will put her information in the show notes. But again, her website is optimalfocusphotography.com. And she also mentioned some other resources that we will also put in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for joining me. And please check out my website, centerpointoncology.com. And again, as I sign off on every episode, be well. Thank you for listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you subscribed and left a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share the podcast with them. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell.